that's still terrible. <laughs> it was an uplifting story because she's still alive. Like the she, rest of it was not. <laughs> no, I can't make complete light of the situation. I can just tell you, you know. Thank God her mom ran away from the Nazis, and now I got to have a beautiful conversation with a nice old like German lady. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which has nothing to do with the film. No, but I'm not making a joke about the title of the film. Oh, in yeah, relation don't do that. to her entire family. Don't do that. So that would be mean and way too far. Yeah, that would be terrible. So yeah, yeah now it's in your head. You said it to yourself. <laughs> Welcome to the Nightmare Box. <clears throat> Presenting mistakes were made. Doing another edition of two. Star Tuesdays. Don't think what? it, don't say it, don't think it, don't say it, don't think it, don't say it. <laughs> My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the still being killed by the coronavirus, and now she has infected our son, Kristen Pennington. <laughs> I'm trying to get better. It's just not. <laughs> we keep passing it around at work, I think, because, like, keeps bouncing around who's sick and i will never get better as long as anyone else is sick no. so <laughs> Kristen is like the bubble woman <laughs> she should be oh god and we are here today to discuss the bye-bye man from 2017 don't think it don't say it don't think it's i'm gonna do that like 15 times yeah, this episode I can, I can already tell <laughs> <laughs> We... I was like, are you just going to stare at me? Are we going yes. to no, have some you, friendly banter? No, you always do the beginning part. You do okay. the, the scores uh, and shit. Yeah, this is the Bye Bye Man. It's 2017. Uh, it scored a 4.2 on IMDb. And a 19% critic, 22% audience score over there on Rotten Tomato. How Maybe accurate. Universally hated. Massively universally hated. I did not hate this. This, we'll get to it, might be my favorite two stars since Stitches. What would you rate it? Um, my rating for it stands. I actually thought about that for a while. I would give it like a solid 5.5. I thought it was enjoyable. If it was on TV, I'd watch it again, but I'm not seeking it out, like yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I'd say I'd probably give it about a 55, 60%. So yeah, yeah. in that same vein. Not bad. People shit all over this thing, unduly. But a lot of it was like, the acting was terrible. And I think at this point, we've watched so many movies where the acting was terrible that I was able to see past the acting. You know, just, like, I almost had, like, that screen, script-to-screen thing playing at the bottom. I was like, I see what they were trying to do there. <laughs> Brilliant attempt. You just didn't quite execute it. <laughs> it was fucking, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but this was produced by a shitload of places, and I've only got three of them written down. So the first one is the Hawaii Brothers, H-U-A-Y-I. So not Hawaii Brothers, but that whatever that word is. <laughs> the next is uh, two companies that we've worked with uh, here on the two-star programs. Uh, the first is Intrepid Pictures. They produced Eli. So we've done a whole episode on Eli. Um, and the other one was the Los Angeles Media Fund. And I just realized we didn't do an episode on dark crimes, but they did dark crimes, oh. which is the unspoken one that we are not doing an episode on yeah. because we are both vastly confused. <laughs> you have to do too much actual research for that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, but our budget for this one came in at $7.4 million. Which is pretty high. Yeah, it's a pretty good budget for the Hawaii brothers and, you know... <laughs> Um, but it was 7.4. It grossed 22.4 in the U.S. and pulled in 29.9 worldwide. So major money back. Yeah. Can't I mean, hate on that. It's not a 
you know, massive success, but I mean, yeah, didn't flop. Yeah, you pulled in, you know, three times what you put into it, so good job on you, team. Some of that, I wonder. I wonder whenever they say the budget, is it including what they had to pay the actual workers, or is that just, like, I'm the assuming, equipment and shit? No, I think that's everything, what you paid the actors, what you did with all the CGI stuff. Like yeah, you, probably, I guess. Because I was like, 4. I always wonder if the profit is actual profit, or it's like, shit, we gotta go back and pay these people yeah. now. Yeah, well, your gross is different than your budget, you know. Yeah, true. But, all, like, all that... 29.9 is going to get split up into royalties and whatever other contractual obligations. Lose it, AFS! This film was written by Jonathan Penner, uh, who did nothing of note that I knew of, so we don't have any extra information. And it's a female director, unless Stacy is a boy's name, in which, my apologies, Stacy Title. No, we really looked it up, remember, on Wikipedia, and it said her films. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's a check. I was like, I've just realized I hadn't seen a picture, and I was like, <laughs> I don't want to get beat up by some dude from Brooklyn named Yeah, Stacey. we looked it up because I said the same thing. I was like, ooh, female director, and then I was like, wait, I guess Stacy could be a boy's name. <laughs> you want to hop into our, our synapses? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do we... Do we? We introduce characters first. Don't oh, we? I can do the characters first too. We are all over. Yeah, let's do let's it. Do characters. Okay, I mean. so your first character is your MC. Um, your main character is Elliot. He's played by Douglas Smith. I'm, I'm not going to have extra film stuff until further down this list here. Uh, John, who is I've got BFF, which stands for Black Friend Friend or Best Friend Forever, <laughs> uh, and that is played by Lucian Laviscount. I think Laviscount. I'm going Laviscon. I'm going to assume that he's a French man. Yeah. Uh, you got Sasha. She played the girlfriend. She's played by Cressida. Cressida. Cressida Bonas. Like boners, but with an A-S. <laughs> um, then you've got Bonas. the bye-bye man himself. Maybe the most accomplished man that I've listed so far. He's played by Doug Jones. You know where you've seen Doug Jones, Kristen Pennington? Uh, I read that he was in Slender Man earlier, but he I haven't watched. He was in Slender Man, and he was also the creepy-eyed monster with the handy eyes in Pan's Labyrinth. Oh. He played Fano, hmm. or the Pale Man. I saw both of those names. I did not see yeah. that one earlier. I saw that he played Slender Man, but I haven't seen Slender Man. But we bring up Pan's Labyrinth so often on here, I figured we might as well, you know. Fun. <laughs> now Fun we've fact. got one. Yeah, he did, he's apparently a pretty accomplished character actor. So he played the bye-bye he man. He likes to be the bad guy. You've got Virgil, uh, who was either the uncle or the brother. I have no idea what his relationship was, was with Elliot. Elliot's brother. He was Elliot's older mm-hmm. brother. I couldn't remember if he was, like, Elliot's uncle. I was like, I... They did such a piss poor... I, I <laughs> he was Elliot's brother, yeah. And you got Kim. Kim is the weird occult girl who shows up and kind of fucks everybody's entire world up. And then we've got some people that you have heard of. Uh, The first of which is Mrs. Watkins. In this film, she plays the librarian. Uh, She was in both The Hangover and Pineapple Express playing police officers. You've got Widow Redman, who I believe is maybe the most accomplished person in this entire film, Faye Dunaway, who played Bonnie in the classic... 1967, Bonnie and Clyde. Then you have Detective Shaw, and she's played by the Matrix's Trinity, Karee Ann Moss. And I stared at her, and I was like, that's, that's, that's. (laughs) (laughs) That lady. And finally, one that I could not, or I didn't see 
coming at all. I didn't recognize the guy, and I ashamed myself for it because this this dude, uh, Larry Redmond, um, he's the guy in the flashbacks with the shotgun who fucking goes off on everybody, fucking goes batshit, right? He's uh, played by Lay Wannell. I hope I'm saying that right. Lee Wannell is probably the right way to say that. But I thought that he looked just like my professor, Dr. Arroyo, and <laughs> I could not get that out of my head. Do you know who Lee played in the past? No. Adam in Saw. Huh. He was across from Dr. Gordon. Really? That's who played the dude in the flashback. I did not recognize him. They added weight and a fucking sweater vest, and I did not see Adam <laughs> at all. <laughs> He's a 70s house husband. He is a 70s house husband. <laughs> I did not recognize him. Yep. We I, missed, I saw uh, that, and I was like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> we missed uh, Alice, which is Virgil's little girl, but she's not an actress that I recognized either. But his daughter's name was oh, Alice. Oh, the kid? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've contemplated writing that one down, but I couldn't find anything else there. Yeah. Um, synopsis or fun trivia? I'd say synopsis first, okay. while we got characters fresh in the head now that I've mispronounced all the actors' names. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... The movie starts in, I guess, roughly the 70s, and you see a man basically losing his shit, killing everybody with a shotgun, like, just repeating the phrase, don't think it, don't say it, don't think it, don't say it. And then we fast forward to present day, which Brett and I are assuming is probably roughly the 90s, based on (laughs) the vernacular, like, tubular! Tubular, dude! (laughs) (laughs) Where uh, Elliot, Sasha, and John are all... College students, I guess, going in and buying a mm-hmm. house together, just kind of get their freedom or whatever. Buying the biggest house together. Yeah, we'll get to like it. it's like a mansion. <laughs> but and um, they live in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot stumbles across this little—they refer to it as a desk. I would call it a nightstand. Yeah. But um, and he pulls it out and sees the "Don't think it, don't say it" writing all around it. Pulls mm-hmm. up the covering and sees the phrase "The Bye Bye Man." <sighs> carved into the quote-unquote drawer of this desk. And, and can I guess, did he think it or say it? He said it. <sighs> and thought it. Amateur! And then said it to other people. Goddamn white people follow the rules. <laughs> so the premise of the film is if you think the name the bye-bye man or say the name the bye-bye man, it's like almost an infection that spreads. Mm-hmm. And he's this entity that slowly drives you mad and leads you to your death and the death of everyone around you basically so the premise is you have to put a stop to everyone who knows the name so that they can't spread it to anyone else so the what was the character's name in the original uh larry redmond need to write that down uh larry slaughters everyone to try to prevent the bye-bye man from spreading and then Elliot kind of realizes like oh god like i'm gonna have to kill everybody i care about to put an end to this this can't be the only way yeah and kind of has a sort of come to Jesus moment where he's like maybe the bye bye man is just fear and if you're not afraid you can defeat him Mm -hmm. but he doesn't quite get there in time to save everyone not not entirely so yeah a plot that could have been fixed by simply referring to him with your friends as hey guys let's not talk about the salutations dude (laughs) (laughs) and everybody would know what you were saying but now it's salutations dude not bye bye man there you go you're saved from a very painful death (laughs) so yeah uh the bye bye man slowly drives you mad kills you kills everyone you love but his I'm assuming ultimate goal is to spread the name to as many people as mm-hmm. humanly possible so he can destroy the whole world. 
maybe. Maybe. Seemed, <laughs> seemed like he had a goal, but did not achieve not it. Not entirely clear. Yeah. <laughs> I like this film's plot for uh, reasons we'll get into that are not tied to the explicit plot of the film. Yeah. I, I like it for its metaphorical versions. But fun trivia. The one piece of trivia. The film. So it's actually based on a story called The Bridge to Body Island. I found this on uh, IMDb that somebody had submitted it, so I have not read the story. I don't know how totally accurate this description is, but it was a piece of trivia on IMDb. So fun, interesting little note. Uh, The film is based on The Bridge to Body Island, and The Bridge to Body Island has a much more complex mythology of the Bye Bye Man. Mm -hmm. Apparently, he was an albino born in New Orleans in 1912 who ran away as a child and became a derelict who lived in the train yard. That makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, and uh, he went, like, after he went blind, he started murdering people, cutting out their eyes and tongues, and sewing them together, and like brought those parts to life using voodoo and the result of his voodoo body part magic was the eye seeing dog that you see in the film so the the dog that's with him is like trying to collect skin to like put on his dog yeah like it that's it's a creature that he creates which is his literal eye seeing dog because he's stealing Mm -hmm. the eyes from people and it helps him hunt his prey so, um, in the movie, you see the dog, you see, you know, kind of references to trains and stuff, but they're not really defined. And mm-hmm. apparently, that's what the story is about. He's a child albino derelict who kills people and creates a voodoo icing dog <laughs> when he goes blind. <laughs> and that story is by Robert Damon Schneck, and I am going to have to dig that out and read that. Yeah. have to find that one someplace. The description makes it, makes it seem like the story might actually be kind of interesting. Yeah, so. like they could have just added an extra 30 minutes to this movie and <laughs> probably yeah. saved themselves a lot of pain and heartache. But we'll get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right now? Right now. Because that's what we do here on Two Star Tuesdays. <laughs> we don't just shit on bad movies. We want to learn something from the bad movies. So we highlight the goods, we highlight the bads. If we have any takeaways, we do that. That's what we're here to do once again on the Two Star Tuesday for the Bye Bye Man 2017. <laughs> Motherfuckers! And I've got a lot of goods. So I actually have quite a few as well. Hit them up. Um, I'm going to start with the location. It's... The mansion? Yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh, I have mixed feelings about it. It's a bit of a weird house for a bunch of college students yeah. to be able to afford. I feel like it didn't seem that run down and in its condition. It probably would have cost too much for three college students to afford it. <laughs> and then the placement of the bedroom in what essentially seems like the attic of a mansion is mm-hmm. a little strange. But because the bedroom is positioned at the top of the house and... Um, the ceiling is slanted in on both mm-hmm. sides. It is kind of a visually interesting location for a lot of the stuff that's yeah. like creepy to be happening because the room feels very closed off. And then you have those neat little doors on either mm-hmm. side that they use a couple of cool tricks with like opening the doors like at the same time to show yeah. like the creatures and stuff like that. So it's a neat location and they do have a really cool shot where the hall is seems like it goes on forever it's Mm -hmm. this really skinny narrow tight end hall so they've taken this weirdly very large house and made it feel extremely claustrophobic like even um john's bedroom seems tiny the kitchen seems very closed off and tiny so it's i don't know like a very visually interesting space like it's very claustrophobic yeah Yeah. it's this massive house and it feels 
tiny, mm-hmm. like based on the rooms that they chose to shoot stuff in. So it is, it is kind of an interesting play on feeling like you're a prisoner in this situation. That's interesting. I didn't really think about that. Like I thought about the bedroom being angular and how that kind of distorts a lot of the stuff that they're doing because the bye-bye man's so tall mm-hmm. and then these angles make people, you know, look all disproportionate and stuff. And I didn't think about the kitchen. You're right. That was like a counter and then like a foot and a half and there's the refrigerator. Yeah. And like, it's when they have a conversation in there, it takes it all up and then like the main bathroom is like right across this tiny hallway. Yeah, and like... John's room was small, like the little table they were sitting at when they were doing the seance was small enough they could sit in a circle and all yeah. hold hands. Like everything that they showed in this massive house was very closed off and like the tiny doors that they kept referencing the bye-bye man hiding in were like neat too because it was mm-hmm. like perfectly sized for the child and everyone else they'd go to look in it was very like Alice in Wonderland-esque. Well that, that was the first thing that I wanted to talk about too was the while we're in the room and talking about that sort of stuff that Alice in Wonderland scene with the little girl mm-hmm. was just fucking incredible. Yeah she comes in there and like pokes around yeah. and like everything in the room seems because she's Actually, yeah, well, I mean, like, the way the room is sized, like, she's actually appropriately sized for it, but it makes it seem so ginormous Mm -hmm. for some reason. And she's just the right fit for those little doors. Yeah, so it it did, like, very much remind me of Alice, like, you know, taking the bite to grow and then drinking Mm -hmm. the, like, tea or whatever it was to shrink, so it is kind of a neat... I don't know if it was intentional, but reference back to that. I would have to imagine that at some point that had to have been intentional, you know? Even if it was just set design, you know, we're going to make this feel like Alice. I don't know if that would be in the script, but no, that that was incredible. Like, she walks in one door, and then you see the stupid... We'll get to it. But the dog poke its head out of the and one on the other one side. That scene, though, was kind of well, neat. Because well, you get a glimpse. It's the reason why Jaws is awesome, because the shark's only there for ten seconds. <laughs> yeah. Or like whenever they show Sasha looking through the door, they show the camera from inside, whatever. I don't know if that's an attic space or what mm-hmm. those doors go to, but they show the camera from inside that space looking out at her. She's like leaning into the frame yeah. of the door, and she looks so massively oversized. Like it's just a neat little like play on like i said like the this massive house mm-hmm. feeling so claustrophobic and it makes you uncomfortable because you know it's not supposed to look like that yeah. so it sets you up for the the discomfort of the rest of the film yeah. like that paranoid um like locked in a padded cell feeling like the only time the house doesn't feel small is when they're having the party and all those people are in the house yeah. and it's like oh they're not like shit hasn't really gone down yet and they're not like alone there but afterwards like everything just seems so weirdly closed off mm-hmm. so, that's my first good fuck the, yeah the location was pretty kick-ass what's your second one um there were some kind of neat effects like the wallpaper transforming into the there's like a just cute cartoony dog and it turns its head and it transforms mm-hmm. into the evil dog and that was kind of neat um the maggots on... Oh, coming uh, out of the Kim. eyes and yeah, shit. Yeah, the maggots <laughs> coming out of her eyes and, like, all in her hair and stuff was pretty neat. The detective having, like, the no eyes, mm-hmm. which, again, I guess references the story because he was blind. <laughs> um, no eyes and her face is just bleeding mm-hmm. everywhere was pretty neat. Uh, the bye-bye man when he touches, like, his forehead and you see the doorbell ring and stuff like that. There's yeah. There's, like, a lot of really cool, like, little... Of 
effects. And like I'm, I'm normally there. I mean, there's definitely some CGI. I'm gonna hate on later, but mm-hmm. I'm normally a little meh on going too overboard on that stuff. But like they had a lot of really cool subtle moments, and even yeah. when because <clears throat> the small doors are on either side of the bedroom for some reason, even whenever there's that moment where the is it the little girl that's looking in the door when that yeah. happens? So yeah, the little girl looks in the door and then the other door opens and the dog's head pops out. I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so there was, they went overboard, but a lot of really well-timed little CGI yeah. moments that were kind of neat. Like not quite like jump scares, but mm-hmm. you know, more like disturbing type things. Yeah. And it, it when it was done right, kind of gives you this effect of, is this really happening or is this just in their head? Yeah, the whole film does that brilliantly. Which, yeah, it's actually another one of my goods. Like Hit it, it up. <laughs> it blurs the lines between what's actually happening and what's just in the characters' heads like really effectively because you go straight into their hallucinations like it's a part of the scene mm-hmm. and then like it shifts back and forth quite a bit. So you're kind of like, wait, did that really happen? Was that just th- something they were seeing? So I, I like that. For the most part, they really effectively kind of blur, like, is this an actual monster? Are they losing their minds? Like, what's happening here? And that was one of my favorite parts about this film was, you know, I I like it even with the plot holes, kind of, because it does such an effective job of creating, like, a true psychological break. Because they introduce that first character, um, Larry... And you just see him running across the street with no context and a shotgun, and he's just fucking laying down bodies. Mm-hmm. And then they draw you into the next Larry, and they show you that person's perspective. But you can also see how everybody else could view it as just, you know, the way we viewed Larry at the onset. Yeah. It's a really good job of going through this whole thing of a psychotic break. And I, I do find it interesting that for a moment they kind of reference that like whenever Elliot and Sasha are in the bedroom talking she's like you know either the bye bye man is out to get us or we're all three losing our minds at the exact same time like how likely is that and like I wish they had played with that a bit more but it it was well they were all losing their minds for different specific reasons you know whether it was trying to keep this away from the boyfriend or trying to keep this away from the best friend or holy fuck the bye-bye man exists and I think my best friend's fucking my girlfriend like just twisting it inside of that love triangle could have been exploited a bit more yeah and that's actually I think in my bads later if I'm remembering right um because yeah I, I feel like they could have played with that a lot more and it could have been cooler because they don't really reference um Elliot being jealous of there being any issues in their relationship until his brother kind of brings it up and it's like if they had played with that a bit more then he's you know insecure about like all Mm -hmm. these real life issues that he's already been experiencing and the situation's kind of exploiting their own fears and like we could have had a little more play with like Sasha's fears or John's fears or whatever and kind of like I don't know exploited like, their hallucinations in a more personal way, yeah. which would have been cool. But we always applaud a, an attempt, a brilliant attempt. They nailed it for one character in those three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, taking a second look at the film, what could have been done better is, yeah, you exploit it. You know that it works. So keep twisting that knot. You're making a movie that you want people to be uncomfortable in. Make them uncomfortable. You can't just have Miss Watkins. Is that was that her name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
can't have like Mrs. Watkins killing her whole family off to the side without any sort of an explanation that would build her there, which we can get to. Yeah. Um, but if you're introducing this as like a, a, a motive motif throughout the film, uh, yeah, you got to play with them. You got to be able to run. <laughs> Go nuts. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? I've done the past few. Oh, well, I've been clicking some of mine off. We've <laughs> well, been your turn to introduce one. Because <laughs> um, I keep stealing yours. I loved the 1969 flashbacks. Mm-hmm. From the jump to when they go back and go back. And you, the, the change in the color and the change in the shots. Like, the 69 ones are all shot in these really warm colors that are, like, wide. I'm, I'm using your words. But they're, you know, these wide shots as opposed to modern day where it's very blue and it's very closed well, in. It's all daylight, too, which I find yeah. interesting. He's just going on this, like, killing just spree lost in the middle shit of suburbia. Around three in the afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> people are just like, oh my God, what's going on? I, I kind of wish. Um, the whole movie was set in 1969. No, I kind of wish the house they had bought had been his house. Like That would have been the move because that house was definitely affordable to a college student. Yeah, and like. They reference this journalist, like, as an aside, and that's, I guess, how they find out about it. And it's like, it would have been cooler if it had been, like, the dude who had lost his shit, Yeah, you like, know? they found his diary in that fucking mm-hmm. nightstand. Yeah, like, I, I wish that they had moved into that house, because that, that would have been a really cool, like, kind of pairing this, like, this horrible thing happened in this house, and this trauma just carried through, and now, yeah. like, we're living it, too, so... Yeah, I don't know. That would have been the move for me, like, putting them in the same house. Yeah, or if they would have even gone to the house. Like, mm-hmm. did that house exist in the same town as the what, the place that the mansion did? How far is the bye-bye? Because he killed everybody. So, <laughs> how did it come back out? And, <clears throat> oh, I guess the journalist, but did the journalist publish the article? You know, did it affect all these people? You know, how many people are reading that newspaper? <laughs> they did reference that in the movie. They said that the journalists, I guess the article, like, never got published. Yeah. That's why it was, like, in the archives, which is weird that he would have allowed it to be. In the archives. Yeah. No, but there's some questionable things. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bulletproof film here, folks. Um, I won't. I'll let you go into this one because I know it was probably your favorite moment, but the moment where Elliot and the detective are sitting like in the interrogation room together and she keeps like prodding him to tell her what's going on and he gives her that whole spill about you know look you're a cop if you had your worst day ever Mm -hmm. would you go home and tell your children or would you hug them and protect them so that was a really intense scene like a really and like if they had stuck to it like a really strong like summary of kind of what the movie really should have been about it's like trauma this is your grief to bear you don't impart it onto the people that you love so i i I like that it's like this this thing is destroying your life and if you spread it to other people it's going to destroy their lives too and you've got this vietnam vet who snapped back in the 60s you've got a journalist who was hunkered down with all of his work You've got Elliot, who's got his own list of problems and now thinks that his girlfriend's screwing around. We just covered, you know, the girlfriend and the boyfriend. You've got, um, who else is affected? Miss Watkins, Mm -hmm. who is, you know, 
she hears about it when they dig up the archives. There, God knows what's going on in her life that would have led her to kill her family. And there's a implication at the end that the detective also hears yeah. the name. So yeah, like her... Her trauma. Yeah, like all of the horrible cases and stuff she sees. She's the one who cleaned chicks' guts off the... Mm-hmm. The... Rail, rail yard, yeah. I'm assuming. <laughs> or at least investigating them. Railroad trucks. No, that, that is the beautiful motif that I forgive this film for, is I think it's a film about trauma, if I'm watching it correctly and thinking about it correctly, uh, which is my favorite kind of trauma. It's, or not trauma, favorite kind of horror film. It's the type of horror films that I aspire to write. Um, and my biggest credit to this one is it did not shy away from what we oftentimes run into. It had its moments, and I'll give you those, because... I did not like seeing the bye-bye man and the dog and it becoming so literal. Well, but it didn't actually... yeah, but it didn't finalize on like this is the literal thing. It's just a thing that they all saw which is akin to the grim reaper and yeah, and which that's in my good zan. My bad's like the literal uh bye-bye man is one of my bads, but that's one of my biggest goods like the bye-bye man when he is just a fleeting presence in the movie is like very metaphorical and like mm-hmm. you can like accept that he's got like the silver coins to pay the ferry and yeah and they yeah. don't address that they never say what the coins are for and like that would be my the assumption. brother's named is virgil <laughs> <laughs> like that would be my assumption that the coins are to pay the ferry mm-hmm. and um like brett and i kind of like disputed that a bit i was like death literally fairies people so you can kind of say the train the original yeah yeah you can kind of say the train represents the fairy and like the dog is like the hellhound or whatever Mm -hmm. and like there's a lot of cool moments where you see death like or um the bye-bye man i guess is technically death like in this film on the nose yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) like as a, a fleeting presence like you see shadows of them that are like like you referenced it to like Halloween where he's kind of just in the background yeah. and you kind of subtly see him. If he's and, in the corner and like all of the shots. Yeah, or yeah. he's like this weird black coat that's kind of hanging there. And um, like even in the library when you see him a bit more literally and he's scratching out the name and every time mm-hmm. he scratches out the name he moves closer. Like I can even accept that because it sets it up almost like he's hallucinating the yeah. whole thing. So I don't mind... The literal presence to that extent where it's like, is this in my head? But then when we like... But he represents death. Like yeah. He represents the Reaper. Yeah. yeah. And like, I, there's like a... Like, going back to the blurring lines between what's real and what's in their heads. Like, there's a lot of really cool moments where like, when they're at like the library scene where the mm-hmm. figure keeps moving closer to him. Or when they're at the crime scene where the girl's been hit by a train. The uh, John like imagines the detective winking at him yeah and then like i don't know if he like winks back at her for real or if him winking back is also just a hallucination but then they just have both have this moment where they're looking at each other like wait what did you just do like what just happened and it's like there's a lot of little cool subtle moments like that throughout the film where it's like you can kind of see they're all kind of losing it and then you see like these images yeah. of death and these weird hallucinations they're having it's like that's not actually points, it completely blurs the line yeah which and, is beautiful 
And like the figure that represents the Bye Bye Man doesn't necessarily literally seem like up until the end of the film like a literal figure. It's like, yeah. oh, this is just a looming presence yeah. over you. The second he touches anybody, I was out. I didn't yeah. mind... Well, we'll, we'll get to the bats. I didn't mind, like I said, the forehead touch yeah. where it's like the like doorbell the ringing. Yeah. yeah, it's like the doorbell ringing at the same time. Because again, is that in his head? Is he afraid that he's going to lose his shit and kill his brother and his niece as well? Like yeah. I didn't mind... That, but there's, yeah, there's stuff later on we'll get into that. I, it's, <laughs> it's too clear and too obvious. Like, keep it subtle. Keep yeah. it as imagery versus, like, oh, it's a body in the room with me. I found out, uh, I didn't write it down, that they cut three minutes out of this thing to get the PG-13 rating or what? No, the TVMA rating instead of the R, whatever the difference in those two mm-hmm. things is. But, uh... They cut the three minutes out for the theatrical release so that they could hit their rating. And I just wish they would have cut out like some <laughs> the of the Bye Bye Man, Man scenes <laughs> and just kept in the other shit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So cut three cut minutes. Cut the dog out. Cut the dog out. We don't need the dog. I know you spent a shitload of money making that dog, but it looks like a bad rendition of the Resident Evil dog. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, the, speaking of the train and all of that, the train kills Kim. Elliot gets out of his car with a bloody hammer and is seen by the conductor, mm-hmm. setting him up as though he murdered Kim. I thought that was fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I was like, yeah, they're gonna don't no, no dude, don't pick up the hammer. Your fingerprints are on the bloody hammer. Now there's a dead girl. You chased her into the railroad tracks because she thought she saw a family like playing again on that whole and I, what's actually happening here. I liked, too, that she was actually screaming, we have to help. Yeah. So she was saying the word help, and then the cops like, well, the conductor said she was screaming help. So it wasn't like the conductor just imagined that situation because the conductor yeah. is an outsider, I guess, until technically he runs her over and then maybe the conductor is going through his own Has trauma. Has his own trauma. Yeah. And then the train becomes the vehicle for the bye-bye man for the rest of the goddamn movie. But, it's a brilliant premise. At the time, I thought it was representing uh, John's big black dick. I thought that's what was going on here. And then I was like, no, there's a deeper poetic metaphor. But I, I like that because we've talked about that before. Like, not tricking your audience like when they do little subtle stuff like that it's like he is legitimately chasing her while With holding a the bloody hammer <laughs> and she is screaming help yeah and like from the cop's perspective it's like yeah you definitely were trying to kill that girl mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do like that it's like a ABC like you can get to the final point yeah, don't trick us speaking yeah. of which we have a challenge for you guys uh, the new uh, homework assignment I don't have the read today. Maybe next episode. We'll get to it. <laughs> it should be on the Nightmare It's all about plot twists. <laughs> so get on that shit. I'm down to my last good. So how many do you have? Um, I've got three. Okay. You go. <laughs> uh, the seance addresses the hokiness of the seance where she's like, let me guess the keys. They're in the saucepan. It's like, you heard that. He's like, ah. Like, she points out bullshit things, and then you and I are going, well, those are bullshit questions. And then they flip the seance on its ass and use it as the the climax, the catalyst Mm -hmm. uh, for the rest of the film. They make her look like a, you know, another hokey, you know, Wiccan dumbass. (laughs) Not saying all Wiccans are dumb, saying some of you do it for attention in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It. 
it plays with its own hokiness. It's like, we know we're doing a seance, okay? That's what's happening here. Let's make fun of ourselves just enough to, boom, here we go. Well, I like, too, that the seance essentially tricks him into saying it out loud because he, yeah. at this point, has not told anyone Which the name. Which means that the, the <clears throat> person she summoned, the demon she summoned... Was the bye-bye Was the bye-bye Yeah, because... She, she just keeps repeating the don't think it, don't say it, don't think it, don't say it. And then one of the other characters is like, don't say what? And then mm-hmm. Elliot's like, the bye-bye man. So it like tricks him into answering the question. And proves that she was not full of shit. Mm-hmm. That she was an actual, like a cult, you know, yeah. medium. I only have one left. So do you, oh, do you want to do one I, more? I, I, I'm sorry, I'm drinking. I've, <laughs> I've lost track of time. Yeah, you're good. Um, I have... Actually, still three more. Um, <laughs> so you can do two more. Yeah. And then I'll do one and you can close us out. Um, actually, never mind. I've got two. I forgot to cross that one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the, I, it doesn't rely, being college kids, this film does not rely on titty. There's not a lot of sex. There's a sex scene. It's very PG. Very PG. Um, and it doesn't rely on drinking. Like, they, there is a scene where they're drinking, and Elliot sounds hammered. Like, I was like, I've been that drunk. Like, normally when they're acting drunk in the two-star movies, it just sounds like they're, you know, I've never had a drink in my life. Hey, man, I've had a beer and a half! You know? I mean, this was like a believable slur to it. Yeah. And then it doesn't, it goes away. Most of these films turn into, you know, here's my tit. Let's do coke in the bathroom. Holy fuck, we're getting killed by a slasher yeah, dude. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, that they don't fall on that trope. Because most films that have college kids, it's like there's a party and a whole bunch of people are about to die. Like, yeah. nothing happens at the party outside of we introduce the brother. Um, we the introduce brother, the jealousy. Yeah, the brother introduces doubt into him. And then we introduce... That's an interesting way of putting it. Well, he at no point has had any jealousy issues yeah. until the brother goes, but do you see the way she's dancing on him? Virgil is the bye-bye man. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Virgil, too, kind of expresses his discontent with, like, marriage mm-hmm. and, like, the family life and stuff, too. So I think it kind of implants this, like, it's not as perfect as you think it is, yeah. like, into Elliot. Everybody and then, has their faults here. Yeah, yeah, and then the whole, like, purpose outside of, like, kind of that introduction of doubt is... Kim essentially releasing the bye-bye man from Elliot. Yeah. So it's not like a, oh, a bunch of people are going to die. It's like you said, like the catalyst of like them all spiraling out of control. So it is kind of nice to see a party scene that isn't actually about college partying. Yeah. I've been to a lot of college parties. I've walked out on people getting blown in the bathroom, and that's about the extent of it. I've never like seen some of the shit that happens in some of these movies. I have and not been, been to those been to parties. Some crazy fucking parties. <laughs> Mostly it's just frat boys getting in fist fights in the parking lot and people doing crystal meth in the bathroom, but you have been to vastly different parties than me. <laughs> well, I spent two years hanging out in a dive bar every night. So. <laughs> uh, my last good, which was predictable, I called it before it happened, but I will give them that it was the way to go, I think. I, I think I predicted it because I was like, that's what you should have done. Um, you get this whole build up to basically the end of the movie where you think that... John is going to be the violent, aggressive one, and Sasha is poor and pitiful and sick and just wants her boyfriend yep. to 
cuddle her and why are you running away from me? I'm so confused. And then we come into, or Elliot comes into the house mm-hmm. thinking John is slashing Sasha to death with a pair of scissors because he thinks Sasha is actually dead Kim brought yeah. back to life. And he shoots and kills what he thinks is John. Turns out Sasha was actually the violent, yep. aggressive one who was slashing John to death. And John is laying there bleeding out. And now out. you've killed your own girlfriend. Yeah. And I applaud that because I think it should have been exploited a lot more. And it's in, I think it's in my bads and something I guess I want to go into as far as what I think they should have expanded on. But I feel like if this movie is about trauma... First and foremost, John's biggest fear, and I I feel like the bye-bye man should have been exploited to their individual fears about what they were all going through. I feel like, first and foremost, not John, sorry, Elliot's biggest fear is losing Sasha. Mm -hmm. So he wants the house, he wants the wife, he wants the kids, like he wants what Virgil has, and he moves into this house with what he thinks is his best friend. And then there's a fear that she's cheating and she's going to leave him. And then there's a fear that John is going to hurt and kill her and he's going to lose her. So his ultimate fear is losing Sasha. And he is the he one brings that who yeah, actuates his own fear. Like he, he brings it to life himself. So his biggest fear ends up being the thing that he does. So it's not all what it seems. Yeah. And like, sometimes I, I feel... in your dreams, you reach a downfall. <laughs> And I feel like they should have exploited that more, so we'll get into that in my bads. But yeah, like I, I think each character, like the bye-bye man, rep- represented their fears and their own traumas, and each character should have had their individual thing that they were going through. And like maybe Sasha was like looking at John, and maybe that's why she keeps fearing she's going to yeah. slip up and like... But is she like she... looking at him because he looks good with his shirt off, or is she fucking him? Well, see, that's, and that's what I think they should have exploited more, like... Elliot's fear of losing Sasha. Maybe Sasha's afraid to settle down and she thinks it's moving too fast and she's, you know, afraid to be a wife or a mother and, like, afraid she's going to cheat and be unfaithful. And then whatever John's, like, fear is, like, they should have had their own individual things that, like, their hallucinations kind of brought it to life. Yeah, brought it full circle. So I've got one more good, but can we say that maybe the biggest fault to this movie is there wasn't an extra 30 minutes? Maybe the first time where we're I like, think... I need more information here. Like, I want you to keep almost everything you have. I'm talking cutting less than five, and I want you to add half a fucking hour. We can delve into it in the bads, but I I mean, we could have added time for sure. But I think, honestly, adding Mrs. Watkins as a character who is influenced by the situation is a loss to the film. Like, I don't mind that there was a library. Hold on to it because I've not heard this theory. And I have one very, 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 very short good. Okay. (laughs) This was the only film I've ever watched that was an interpretation of the game. You lose. Go to bed. You thought about the game. You've lost the game. 15 years from now, you can try to play the game again. But dear audience, you lost the game. You were saying, I'm, I'm very interested in this theory. No, you're fine. Um, <laughs> it was it's... dumb, but it was my only joke I had written down. Um, it's probably my biggest overarching bad. Like, a lot of my other bads are a little nitpicky. Um, but yeah, again, like I, I think the point of this film was... These individual characters are the point of this film should have been anyway. These individual characters dealing with their own grief, their own trauma, their Mm -hmm. own fears, their own insecurities. So 
first and foremost, Elliot's is, like I said, losing Sasha. And you, like I said, you could have done this a hundred different ways. Like maybe Sasha isn't quite ready to settle down and Sasha has doubts and maybe she does have a eye that kind of drifts to, you know, other men and, you know, I don't know necessarily what John's would be, but you know, he's like the party type. So I don't know, maybe he's got some fear about being inadequate. Well, I don't know, it, whatever. It, he was inadequate. He couldn't get it up for Kim. Yeah. And like, couldn't get the perfect girl. Like he was sleeping with the slut instead of mm-hmm. his dream girl. So yeah, maybe his fear is inadequacy. He's the, the jock who never really, you know, made Conquered it. the mountain. Yeah. And so... Probably like, party less, your dick will work <laughs> So they could have exploited these core characters and their fears and their hallucinations because of their fears and stuff so yeah. much more. And like Mrs. Watkins, I don't mind the need for a librarian and for him to be at the library doing this research, but I don't think he ever should have said the name to her because there's not enough time in this movie to expound on whatever she's dealing with. We get a passing, she killed her family, and a passing, she possibly got ran over by a car. He well, possibly he, he hallucinated that. Yeah. Well, like, to me, I was a little confused about whether or not that happened or yeah, it was like, in his head. It, because her whole character arc is trying to set him up to get killed. Like, she's going to go kill him. Like, she's figured this all out by herself in a matter of hours, you know? And it, it feels unnecessary to me because, like, I feel like... Him going to meet the journalist's wife and realizing... Accomplishes the same end. Yeah, and and so Mrs. Watkins' little aside ends up being unnecessary and a waste of film time because I don't know her family. I don't care that she's killed her family. I I don't know her motives. I don't know if she's, you know, hallucinating and, Mm -hmm. like, seeing crazy shit, too. We don't get enough time to spend with her to care about her character's story for it to have been worthwhile for this film. So for me... You cut Mrs. Watkins ever learning about it at all. She can be the librarian. She asks. He closes the lid on the box. He gives it back to her and he says, hey, I'll see you next weekend. Yeah. And like, that's the end of that. (laughs) And then we could have taken the time that we wasted on her character and grown a bit more with the characters that were existing and established and learned more about them and cared more about the situation and cared more about like how they were coping with the situation. And like, we could have left the journalists wife in there i was fine with that this like you know decrepit old lady who's traumatized she's not decrepit she's fade down away they made her a little decrepit in the movie she's hanging out in a creepy ass house that looks run down at one point she was fighting marilyn monroe for like sex pot of american history (laughs) they made her a little decrepit in this movie though and her house is a little decrepit and you can tell she's still living in like terror of this thing that she never really understood in the first place. And her character for me does accomplish the librarians like whole end. Yeah. yeah. It, so, it, it's the perfect bookend for that whole, uh, you know, aside because she tells you see him, the damage she knows she doesn't think about it. She and, doesn't talk about it. And she tells him like she introduces that your only solution is you have to kill everyone. And he's like, no, that can't be the only way. Mm -hmm. And like that sets him up to like, she gives him the revolver and it's just like, that's, that's it. My husband was right. Yeah. And and that sets him up for that. Like, oh shit. Like I've either got to solve this or we're all going to die moment. So I, I think the film suffers for expanding on the library. Because all it does is show you the same thing you saw at the beginning of the film. Where you mm-hmm. don't understand why this guy's losing his shit. Yeah. But so. now you've seen the first dude lose his shit. We don't need to see a second person lose their shit outside of yeah. Elliot. Like, I'm, I'm not a 
a writer by any means. Like I would definitely like if. And it feels like such an easy edit <laughs> when you explain it that way, though, because I I didn't catch that. I liked the character, you know, maybe just for like the the break in what was going on at that time. And it leads Elliot to supposedly run her over. And I can't remember how Elliot got from the car to the house. I, <laughs> I feel like you can still kind of have those because you could still have the library and he still meets her and like you said, closes it off, doesn't introduce her to it. And then you still have that moment with the cop where it's like he keeps having these close encounters with like, I'm about to destroy other people's lives yeah. and then doesn't. But the more effective one is with Trinity. Or... Um, Detective Shaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's a beautiful scene. So I that, that was a real I mean that was a legitimate breathtaking scene. The chemistry between Shaw and uh Elliot was off the fucking charts. Yeah. Like they were keyed into that moment. Yeah, and like I like I said, I'm not a writer. I would wholeheartedly like respect your opinion more than my own on something like that. But I feel like if we were workshopping this story, I would be like, we don't need her character. And Let's I would cut the character. These other characters. I would cut the character given that explanation. I, I had no problem with it while it was happening, but you're right. It is a distraction. You accomplish the same thing that you accomplish with her. You accomplish through <laughs> Shaw and, um, Larry. Um, yeah, they, they, they could have killed that one and given us a bit more. Given us a, a success story for Elliot where he didn't tell somebody and they didn't go off the rails. Yeah. So I I don't know. Like I, I feel like time was wasted on her and time should have been spent on other characters. And I feel like that would have leaps and bounds made this movie better. <laughs> well, you know what, Kristen Pennington? You're hired. Nightmare Box Productions. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get like a DNA. <laughs> <laughs> no, is that D, do not disclose? What, what's the disclosure? Non-disclosure agreement. NDA. Yeah. No, DNA. DNA like, is DNA? what? You need my DNA? DNA is what was left all over that hammer that <laughs> Elliot ran away from. You see how I tie it all back? I'm a fucking genius. Um, my top bad here is going to be. There's no character development. There's no character chemistry outside yes. of these individual scenes. Yes. There's no believable reaction to what the fuck is happening in this attic in this mansion. Yes. Like, at any point. I don't know what they do for a living. I don't know how they met each other. There's no intimate moment where they're all three like drinking at their little table or having dinner. I don't know why the bye-bye man's pissed off. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't think the acting was. And the... I think oh, I'm sorry. Um, I think the reason why I'm upset about the Bye Bye Man not being explained is because you and I recently rewatched the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, mm -hmm. where it dives more into the Kruger character, and it does such a good job of splitting the line of this pedophile who was massacred. You know, uh, that you're like, did he really touch the kids? And then it's like, oh, he definitely touched the kids. Oh, he's even more fucked up than with, you know, that perfect. Yeah. But there's no origin for the bye-bye man. This yeah. isn't, you know, the second bye-bye man where you don't need to explain that. I need to know why this dude is this dude. Yeah. And again, if the I know why description Jason, in the yeah. story or the description in the trivia about the story is accurate, then that would have been... That would have been a fucking great movie yeah. in and of itself. 1912 New Orleans. But, like, you know why Voorhees is killing everybody at camp. 
You know why Michael is hunting down his baby sister? Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember if it was his niece or his sister. sister. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know these things about these classic slasher films, which is what this film feels like. But you don't get an origin for him. Yeah, and like I, I don't think the acting was the best in this movie. It's not the worst, but for me, like By it's far. the My, our favorite is Zombievers. <laughs> that might be the worst. No, like the the acting isn't ungodly. It's not great, but for me, what kills it is the chemistry. Like yeah. they're is no moment really any point in this movie where I believe that any of these people care about each other. Like, I don't buy Elliot and Sasha as a couple. I sort of am willing to accept Elliot and John as friends, but not to any great depth. Yeah, like, the only scene where there's any real chemistry is Elliot talking to Detective Shaw. And even mm-hmm. his own brother, he goes to the house, thinks his brother has lost his shit, killed everyone, and then shot himself, and then the house burns down. Yeah. And he's just driving down the road with his niece like, oh, you found the cabinet? Oh, what shit. did it say? <laughs> Daddy, I can't read in the dark. Oh, ha, ha, that's right. Like, not sad about it. Like, there's no... Not crying, not fighting the police to see his brother's corpse. Yeah, yeah. there's like, like, doesn't even call the police. Oh, he didn't even call the cops? They just show him getting in the car he's just like, he's well, driving. fuck that, <laughs> <laughs> like the cops show up, but they don't show him calling the cops or anything. I just so. witnessed my brother shoot himself. Yeah, and <laughs> like if the house is on fire, he's definitely killed the other two. So the brother's just like, ah, Fuck one it. less brother in the world. Yeah, that's all good. And they like imply when they do the seance that he's so concerned about his brother because I guess their parents are dead and he's looking out for his brother. Yeah, like, his brother's like, that's one less burden I have today. Yeah, but like they, they don't, I don't believe the couple is a couple. I don't necessarily believe that the best friends are best friends. The brother doesn't give a shit about his brother. Yeah. Like there's no If chemistry. anything, yeah, the, Trinity and Elliot. Mm-hmm. Those are one good matchup. And then Larry and his widow are like the only other. And the Larry and the widow don't happen on the same, you know, screen at the same time. But when they the go. The young version of them does, yeah. Yeah, but when they go back to the widow and they're talking to her, her performance, you're like, I believe that she yeah, left her like husband. My, my husband loved me enough that he wouldn't have put yeah. that burden on me. Like, yeah, that is a very powerful moment where he's like, well, how did you survive? And she's like, he didn't tell me. He cared more about me than that. (laughs) You're the one who killed your girlfriend. (laughs) Way to go. You told all your friends. Now you have to do what my husband did. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's not even the acting that kills me. It's the chemistry. Like, I... I don't buy any of these relationships. I don't know why they're going to school. How did they meet each other? How long have they known each other? Why is Sasha, like have a cold that's slowly killing yeah. her and that's somehow the bye-bye man. Yeah. And why is she like grinding up on his best friend? Because I would fight my best friend <laughs> if my girlfriend, if you started grinding up on say Norris, I would bust Norris's head open if he did not immediately shove you away and like take a cold shower. <laughs> um, CGI dog. Let's go ahead. All right. Well, that's another off my list as well. Um, <laughs> hands down, the worst part of the whole thing. Yeah, uh, knockoff of the Resident Evil dog by far, and a not good knockoff. Can't yeah. tell what breed that dog is. Don't, you know, that's not what flesh looks like. Yeah, and like, the dog... <laughs> you can see dissected dogs on the internet. Don't ask me how I know. I masturbate to weird things. <laughs> the dog never actually hurts anyone or attacks anyone. It's just this really tacky looking dog that 
shows up and gnaws on du- dead people's heads yep. while his dad's doing all the work. And like it's, it's not necessary. Yeah. You don't need the dog. And, like, I like the Without idea... the context of the initial story, yeah. you don't need the dog Like, I like the idea that he's blind and the dog is his seeing-eye dog that's, yeah. like, his hunter. That like, isn't introduced cool. in the movie. Yeah. So it's it's silly in the movie. Like, I don't mind, again, like, whenever we were talking about the goods, like, this passing presence, like... Hellhounds are like a common yeah. representation of like Serbius, the you know the Hellhound original. Yeah, like yeah. He, he's got the three heads. So like I don't, I don't even Cerberus, but I don't something I don't, like that. I don't mind. We're from Tennessee. We can't <laughs> say Roman words. <laughs> I don't mind him Latin. as a fleeting presence. Him, his head coming through the open door was kind of neat. When you can outright see him, he looks so tacky. Well, that's what I was saying earlier. Is that like it works in Jaws because you only see that tacky ass shark once. And it happens so fast that you just accept it. I accepted it from across the room, peeking out of that door. You put me at the dog's feet, and I'm like, that is the dumbest piece of shit CGI I've seen in a good year and a half. And it's... It's up there with the Zombiever zombies. And it takes it, too, (laughs) when you can see this really unrealistic, but supposed to be creepy-looking dog, like, up front and present. It takes this really creepy motive of you know death is yeah. looming to like oh there's a literal monster sitting on your floor right it could now. <laughs> have been a shadow a shadow would have been 10 times more effective you see bye bye man you see the dog's shadow run you know against the wall yeah would have been more effective than all the money they put into this is our cgi dog Fuck or, you and or you your see, CGI dog. Because they show like the dog in passing a couple of times, like when he's down in the basement, you see the dog kind of streak by in the background. So you could have even seen like just a close up of the paw touching yeah. the ground and then the shadow on the wall of the dog growling. You yeah. didn't have to show the dog. Or know? the invisible paw print would have been the move. You know, yeah. where it's like the dog's not there, but you see like bloody dog prints. You, you can I, let me fill it in in my own head. Don't fucking <laughs> create this thing unless you're gonna do it like. Jurassic Park style. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck the CGI dog, I guess is what we're saying. Yeah. I'm down to two. How many you got? Oh, I have quite a few. No. Um, No, I I loved this movie. I've only got four bads all together. Minor nitpicking, for the most part, to be fair. Um, So, at the train, yard, whatever, why is Elliot not immediately handcuffed? They... Their last encounter is he was chasing her with a bloody hammer and she is now dead dead. Did they explain that at all or did his friends just show up and be like, no, he'd never murder anybody. And they're like, well, you're not a suspect. It was, mean, no, I they were all losing literally... their shit. Don't say the name. Don't tell them. Mm-hmm. You're bleeding. And then, like, it was just all this weird. And the detective's like, well, they're going to go home and you're going to come with me. Yeah. And then like he creeps her out and she lets him go. And that I understand. Cause she's like, oh God, you're going to get me and my whole family killed. <laughs> but... Like, they don't handcuff him. Like, come on. Like, there's so many cops there. And he, like, starts to run, like, over to the other one. And I'd be like, he's fleeing. Like, tackle him. Like, cuff him. Throw him in the Shoot car. him. Yeah. Thank God it's not the black friend. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, if John would have moved anywhere near as quickly, dead on the railroad tracks, both him and Kim, they're fucked. Yeah, I don't, I don't find, like, a lot of little stuff like that believable. Like, the brother being indifferent to... His own brother being dead, like Elliot wasn't handcuffed. Um, there's a lot of little moments where it's like that's not really how that would go down. Like, no. come on. Um, 
I, I am frustrated by the lack of clarity about whether or not Sasha was cheating. Um, that, that bugs me. Yeah. I don't know if this is all literally in his head, but there are definitely literal moments where she's doing things that seem suspect. Like the she shows on up the dance floor. Oh, like even that I would excuse. Cause like there are some people that like, they're cool with it. <laughs> like they, I would have been they, cool with it probably do. back then if it was not a girl that I just bought a mansion with. <laughs> I, I'm not like a dancer or anything, but there are some people who like that. They like going out in groups and like dancing yeah. with all their friends and stuff like that. And there are some people that enjoy that. So like, well, if we're in a club, you can dance with you know the female friends. You have. <laughs> Grind on them all day. It's not even the dancing. Or my it's... gay brother, you could dance <laughs> on him. <laughs> so it's like. They, they show up to the crime scene together, and whenever she goes home sick, she's specifically in his bed, like, passed out. And, like, yeah, he comes in and hallucinates that they're having sex, and that's in his head. But the fact that she's dressed yeah. in his bed. They're cuddling. Like, yeah. They're, they're, like, like spooning. spooning and, he, and John doesn't have a shirt on, I think. Yeah. It doesn't, isn't he shirtless? Like, I'd be like, why aren't you in your own bed upstairs? Did you drunkenly make out with my best friend last night? What is the best case scenario here? Yeah. And, like... Elliot's hallucinations are that he's afraid that Sasha is cheating, and that makes sense to me because that's his fear. But why are Sasha's hallucinations also that she's cheating? Why is she imagining John naked unless she has a desire to cheat? Probably had a dad who was uncomfortable with black people. She watches (laughs) a lot of BBC. (laughs) Or she's afraid that she's not the English News Channel. Big black. Oh, you're killing me. Stop it. Sorry, I've had a few. And then, like, when she's laying in bed, she, like, says, I love you, John, like, in her sleep. She's yeah. not having nightmares at that point. That's just a thing she says. Unless... Hasn't been introduced to the Bye Bye Man yet, I don't believe. I think so. I think that it had just happened. But it's still, like, it's very ambiguous about whether or not she's cheating, but she's doing very suspect things. And, like, I feel like either do one or the other. Like, either she is cheating or, or he's, she's dead innocent and he's losing yeah, his mind. So yeah, so, like, let's not be, like, a foot in both doors. Like, I, I feel like it needs to be... Definitive. Yeah, and that, that bugged the shit out of me because it's like, well, I feel like his fears are a little founded if you're acting yeah. that way. Yeah. I would have broken up with her. <laughs> I would have been like, hey, why don't you guys just fuck? And uh, it's a mansion. You guys go live in the bottom left half. I'll live in the top right half. <laughs> um... Too vague on details. Like, I don't understand prior to reading that trivia fact why there's a train, why there's a dog. That's what I was saying. Kim had sex with uh, John, and then she, like, turns and throws her hands out and gets reamed up the ass with an entire train. And I was like, it's a big black dick. That's what this entire movie is about right now. There's a scene. At that point in the film. There's a scene where, is it Elliot having a nightmare and he sees all three of them naked with their backs to the train? Yeah. Like, it's, like, there needs to be some clarity if you're going to have these is strong jealous visual Kim? references. Is Kim a best friend? Does, was Kim Sasha's... Best friend, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I don't know best friend, but... She didn't cry friends. when Kim got hit by no. a fucking train. Yeah, <laughs> again, bad chemistry. Nobody cared. <laughs> uh... The desk should have been destroyed. That's one of mine. Can I dive into that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're Quote supposed to believe desk. that this is at least the third person. Elliot's at least the third person since 69. And nobody's thought to destroy this fucking thing. 
they, yeah. they were like, we're going to wallpaper over it. And it's like, why don't you just light that bitch on fire and Chop call it, up. it a day? Yeah, like anything. And like, he chucks it into the woods. And throws it into some <laughs> random ravine. And he's like, somebody else will find this someday. Some homeless dude is probably going to fucking lose his shit. Yeah, and like, that's when he has his like epitome moment where he's like, I know how to defeat this. And he chucks it out there and it's like, maybe destroy it. I mean, you don't even have to destroy the whole desk. Just destroy the drawer. <laughs> Just kill the drawer. Kill the fuck out of it. <laughs> I mean, he, like, takes the time to scribble the notes in the library. Not very effectively. Like, you could still read what it said under his scribbles. Yeah. It's but... probably imprinted on all those other desks. <laughs> yeah, I just... I, I don't know. Like, that seems like a dumb fuck move. Like, that's obvious. Yeah. If you're not supposed to think the name, destroy... Or say it, and there's a party going on downstairs, you pick that thing up and you're like, Hey guys, bonfire! And then you just fucking start a bonfire in the backyard of your college party. Now you're the only one who doesn't have to think about it, doesn't have to say it. Get loaded. You won't remember what that desk said. <laughs> Kristen asked me, because I brought that point up while the film was happening, and she was like, have you ever like thought a thing and then got drunk and then couldn't remember the thing? And I was like, oh, all the time. Yeah. No, I've, no I said... I have blitzed myself into blackouts that have I, erased hours before I started drinking. <laughs> see, no, see, I don't buy that. Like, no, I'm not saying you've never done it, but I don't buy that. If I that. saw it once and then got hammered, I would never hours remember. Hours before? Not hours, but like if I would have immediately grabbed that nightstand, walked it downstairs, chucked it into a fire, they would have become the salutations gentleman overnight. He didn't immediately know that it was bad. Or I would have got hammered and told everybody at the party and this movie would have been a problem. No, that would have been what you would have done for sure. No, like I buy... The seance and, like, him telling the select people that he told, but, like, I feel like after he realizes you destroy the desk, it's after he realizes that he chucks the desk into the woods. Yeah. It's like, what? What? No. no. Burn it. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of it. You have a fireplace. Like, smash it into <laughs> tiny bits and then burn those tiny yeah. bits so those tiny bits are all Not even the whole desk, bits. just the drawer. Just pull the drawer out and throw it in the fireplace. It's a fucking open shut case there, Sherlock. Yeah. I, so stupid. And it, it's been that way for 40 fucking years. Like somebody should have burned that desk. Or the desk should have had signs of having been burned and it's invincible. And it's interesting, too, that it seems like the journalist would have had to have been the one to wallpaper over it. So why didn't the journalist destroy it? Because the journalist snapped and killed yeah. a bunch of people, too, right? Yeah. So why didn't he just destroy it? <laughs> Good question. Never answered. <laughs> Never addressed absurd i'm down to one more bad so light us up Kristen. Actually, what all you got i'm actually down to my last bad oh i thought well. you had like five more in your paper several. <laughs> well then my last one's really dumb so i'm gonna leave it to you um my last one is where'd they get the mansion but i think we've addressed that several times <laughs> in this episode where did a bunch of like fucking 21 to 23 year old kids Get the money to get a mansion to go to college. What do their parents do for a living? It, again, no character development. Yeah. That, <laughs> my last one here worked as well as my joke about the, losing the game earlier. So, <laughs> What do you got? Um, my last one's kind of like an overarching about the film. Like, I feel like they missed the mark, what could have been a really beautiful mark, on defeating the Bye Bye Man through like bravery, like no longer being afraid of him. Dream just like, warrior. <laughs> well, just like 
they could have cut out like superfluous characters and expanded more on the individual characters' fears and like the individual characters' traumas and stuff. They very briefly touched on Elliot being like, I know how to beat him. Don't be afraid anymore. Yeah. Like face your fears, face your traumas, like conquer these things. And that is kind of a basic concept. I feel like like a person going to therapy who's like got all these suppressed traumas and it's like you have to work through them, you have to yeah. face them, you have to confront them. Look, it's fucking terrifying, but you have to stare that thing direct. And don't let it... Kill you. <laughs> like, yeah, consume who you are as a person. And like, to me, that's a very beautiful metaphor to like, even if we want to be more literal about the bye-bye man, if he is a literal entity that Elliot has to overcome, it's still this metaphor for... I have to face the thing that I'm afraid of and the thing that's destroying my life and be bigger than it and conquer mm -hmm. it. And like, it's such a brief moment that they touch on it. And then as soon as he goes into the house, it's like, well, these two are losing their shit and I've lost my self control. And now everything is just going down. And then I guess I just have to shoot myself in the head. So it falls so flat. Cause it's like, well now you've been defeated. Yeah. Like that, you know, like it was nothing. So like if we had, I don't know, added time to the film or cut out characters that weren't necessary and like expanded on what was really at the heart of these individual characters, like traumas or fears or whatever we could have at least taken, even if they had all died at the end, taken a little time to be like, how can we beat this? How can I be bigger than this? How yeah, can it I... could have unraveled the exact same way, but there should have been an attempt to overcome it. Yeah. And know? like, Elliot's literal only attempt to beat it is like, I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to pretend it's not there. Like, we're good. Don't worry yeah. about it. And then he runs over Black Lady, and then that destroys the whole thing. Like, <laughs> he's like, oh, shit, it's all going to oh, hell. Oh, fuck. All I can think about is the bye-bye man, not the yeah. Black Lady. It just took out yeah. what fucking and then, Ford like, focus. It immediately just goes into like, oh, fucking, like, it could have been so impactful. If, like, especially even if he had still shot his girlfriend at the end, it's like, I, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to overcome this. And then the, the doubt and the fear and stuff creeps into his head. And he, for a moment, slips up and he thinks he's saving his girlfriend by sacrificing his friend and then realizes he's, you know, slipped into his own mind and kind of become the monster himself. Yeah. Like, I, like, I feel like that was such a beautiful concept that completely got missed. It's like... Don't be afraid. Face this. Conquer this. You can overcome this. And even if he still felled, we could have had this moment where it was like... Fight it. Yeah, yeah. And like they threw it away so quickly. It was like this cheesy crash scene that was unnecessary because we had this unnecessary character and we completely lost the concept. And I... Like it breaks my heart that it was like such a moment where like, you've got this. And then nope, you don't. <laughs> but all in all... I think my favorite two star. It was pretty good. I I will admit it. It was so close. So goddamn like, close. We've we've picked at other movies before where they kind of build you up until the tail end to think it's kind of referencing all these internal struggles yeah. these characters and then are there's going aliens. to. Yeah, and then it's literally just a ghost story. You know? <laughs> but like this one was like better than Cloverfield. <laughs> I like Cloverfield. Well, the this ending, was better than Cloverfield. The ending was rough, but I liked Cloverfield. <laughs> but, like, yeah, this was a movie that, like, the Bye Bye Man was too literal for me, but this was a movie that came so freaking close and then just at the tail end didn't quite nab it. Shit the bed. It's Which a rule here on Two Star Tuesdays, but it is one of the best ones that we've done for a two star. And breaks the motif of what winds up in our two stars, which is the writer and the director, two separate people. 
I mean, it's usually a good thing. The director <laughs> should have just slapped the writer on the side of the head and been like, hey, one more draft. <laughs> Tighten that up a bit. Fix it. Here's the problems. And those are issues that Kristen and I don't have because we're creative geniuses. <laughs> um, as of today, you guys can watch Kristen's new film that I wrote and she directed. What's the title of that film? Happy Kristen? Birthday. And where can they watch this? Uh... YouTube.com. YouTube.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. The Nightmare Box blog. Possibly Vimeo.com slash Nightmare Box Productions, but don't hold me to that one. It may be too long for that one. Um, but definitely YouTube and the website. Yeah. You can go on over to the website and eventually you can buy my book. But until then, you can go on over to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or eBay or whatever your, you know, uh, choices for buying books and buy the madman diaries a collection by yourself truly <laughs> brett bloom i forgot my name um or you can swing I? on over there to the twitter where you can don't think it don't say it don't think it don't say it at nightmare box pro <laughs> <laughs> or go over to instagram and uh, take a picture of what you plan to use as your plot twist in our homework assignment coming up as of this recording. At Nightmare Box Productions. We got any other ones? Facebook. The Fosse Books. <laughs> Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. Fantastic. And the email. Email us your shit. Yeah, email us. Fucking tell us what's going on. I want to hear directly from Jonathan Penner. So does anybody know Jonathan Penner? Because I'm blown away by this movie and then slightly disappointed i want to have jonathan penner be my friend i want to be in his writing circle so if anybody knows him or knows of him fucking email us over at nightmareboxproductions at gmail or if we can figure out if stacy title is just a title or if stacy's a woman that would be fantastic she could email us over at nightmareboxproductions at gmail <laughs> still the same email we don't have gender specific emails stacy <laughs> that should be the subtitle for the episode gender specific emails and that has been yet another edition of the two star tuesday the bye bye man 2017 featuring myself brett bloom and the beautiful the effervescent the slowly dying kristen bennington i love you i love you and i love you guys we'll talk to you on friday